you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message.
Would you lift your voice with that hand clap? And would you exalt his name together in this room? Father, we love you. We give you all the praise and all the glory, God. We give you all the honor. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. What a wonderful day that we have here this morning. I know that the Lord has wonderful things for us. Amen. And we want to pray one more time. The pastor will be coming here in a minute. He will be sharing with us his heart. And we want the Lord to use him. Amen. In a great way. And we want the church to receive what the Lord has for us. Amen. Amen. Here's what I want you to do right now. I want you all to close your eyes right where you are. I want you to lift your hands up toward heaven. And I want you to just be, get ready and get your mind on the Lord together. And let's all lift our voice as one trumpet. Let's lift our voice right now. Father, we love you today. And we thank you for this great day that we have. We thank you, God, that you have given Pastor Lord a clear vision for the future of this church. And God, I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus that you would get us ready. God, that our hearts would be open to receive, that our minds would be clear to comprehend, that our ears would be open to hear what you're trying to speak to the church today. In the name of the Lord, I pray for a great anointing on Pastor Jordan as he's getting ready to bring your word this morning. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we love you, God, and we praise you right now because we know that we're going forward in Jesus' name. And the gates of hell can't prevail against the church. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, let's clap our hands to the Lord. Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Please turn your attention up to the screen. Here's to the ones who labored, who saw not just bricks and mortar, but a testament to faith in every nail and screw. They are the architects of sacrifice, the builders of devotion, whose sweat and determination has laid the foundation of our journey. Their sacrifice echoes in the halls we walk today. Their tireless devotion forged a path that we now follow. The foundation they built is not just physical, spiritual from our heritage emerges a legacy each beam each cornerstone is infused with the resilience of those who dared to dream sacrifice and labor your stories are etched into every surface a reminder that nothing truly worthwhile is ever accomplished without sacrifice yet as we look back we stride forward united by a purpose that knows no bounds impact it's the embodiment of our spirit the culmination of a history paved by the audacity to envision the courage to act join us on september 17th at our vision initiative service a collective step into a tomorrow here's to the ones who have believed who have labored who have made an impact our christian life church family your impact is notable not yet finished. Could we? 
we do that for every volunteer that makes Christian Life Church the kind of church that it is. Every teacher, every volunteer, from office staff to kitchen workers to those that clean the church and care for the yard and maintain the building and build the buildings, those that sing and teach and play and preach and drive buses, those that work in ministry, every altar worker, every prayer warrior, thank you. We honor you today. God bless you. You can be seated. Today we honor the men and women that are responsible for Christian Life Church being the kind of church that it is. It's only a small token to provide lunch for you this afternoon and a time for us to celebrate. We understand that without the years of dedication and faithfulness and sacrifice, CLC would not be the kind of church that it is today. Perhaps some of you came today and you were asking, you have mentioned a vision initiative, what does that mean? And what are we actually talking about today? Hopefully over the next few weeks I will help you understand the, de the workings and the details of the journey that we are moving toward. Impact Vision Initiative can be boil, boiled down to one word, and that is reaching lost souls. The slogan of our vision initiative and the title of my message today embodies the very essence of our mission, and it simply is impact. We must make a greater impact. This vision initiative will focus our attention on four main components of our future. I'm going to try to unveil those in this message that I'm going to preach today. Over the next few weeks, we will unveil the vision in detail, the plan by which we will see our vision become a reality. Someone once said, a vision without a plan is only a daydream. Between the vision and then a plan must be those that work the vision and the plan. For without there being labor, nothing is possible. When people have a mind to work, great things can happen. I can tell you about the history of Christian Life Church. We are where we are and we are who we are because we have a group of people that have a mind to work. But a vision with a plan has the potential to impact the future of this church. I believe that God has given us clear vision and a strong sense of destiny for our future. When God began to deal with my heart regarding the future of this church, I was continually reminded of the importance of God's timing in everything. Timing is everything with God. 
God is clearly pointing us in one direction. And that direction unilaterally is toward the harvest field. We must work while it is day. For the Bible said that night cometh when no man can work. Every hour you volunteer, every day you spend, every hour you pray, every Bible study you teach, every class you work in, every child that you clean up after in a Sunday school class, every day that you sweep a floor or you drive a nail or whatever it is that you do, if you care for the equipment here, if you're driving a bus, whatever you may do, if you're praying in the altar, everything that we do is pointing in one direction, and that is reaching lost souls. We must work while we can, because the Bible said there will be a day when the work will be over. One thing I'm certain of, and that is that God intends for this church to grow. And I want to be part of the growth that God has for this church. Some may ask, is this necessary? With a growing church and as many people that we have in this church that are newer members, I must come back to a point that I have made in times before. People say, can we stay just like we are? And the answer is yes. Yes, we can, but God never intended his church to become stagnant. And if we stay too long as we are, we will become stagnant. But it is God's will for his church to grow. And growth always means we must adjust and change. In order for this to happen, you and I must embrace the vision that we're going to be talking about over the next few weeks and follow God's plan for our future. Esther chapter 4 verse 14 brings us to the summary of what I want to impart and impact upon your hearts and your minds today. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. I like King James Version, but I do want to break it down and make it real simple for the children, the young people, and those of you that don't speak King James very well. I want to break it down and make it simple. And it just simply means this. I believe God has put you in the church for this season and this hour. And we must work together to reach our lost world. The timing is so very important. May I remind you that there are certain times in God's calendar when he has appointed people for greatness. This church, I believe, is living in an ordained time on God's great calendar. There is a sense among many of us that God is calling us to move from shallow water and move into the deep. We must ask ourselves if the comfort of complacency is better than taking an ordained step of faith. If we say that we would rather stay where we are as we are, we are only three generations away from extinction as a church. In the next 30 years, the church 
that we fill the pews this morning will no longer exist unless we capture the vision and understand it can't be always about me. For my generation will move off the scene. But in classrooms this morning and spread across this audience as the children have joined us are the very reasons why that we must embrace the future and embrace change. Not in doctrine, for there is one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. Some things must never change, but our methods often must change to meet this generation. I believe CLC is made up of people, much like the children of Issachar. The Bible talks about them in 1 Chronicles, the 12th chapter and the 32nd verse, which were men, the Bible said, that had understanding of the times. Everybody say understanding of the times. It's so important that we understand the times. The Bible said the men of Issachar who were extremely wise, they understood the time and they knew what Israel ought to do. I believe that that summarizes our leadership and our board of trustees and all of our pastoral team and our leadership team of this church, men and women of courage and a vision that understand the time and know that now it is high time to wake out of sleep. We must not slumber while people are eternally lost and destined for a devil's hell. This is the hour of revival and we must rise to the occasion in this hour and declare, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. We must love every man, every woman, every boy, every girl and show them the way of salvation. At this juncture, our decisions must be must not be about our own preferences, but it must be about the effectiveness of the church. Some things may make us get a little uncomfortable. Some things may call us out of our routine. As I have grown older, my wife is not growing older. She reminds me often. But as I grow older, I have learned to enjoy and appreciate routine. Anybody in here understand? As my hair has grayed, my desire for change has grown less and less. It has waned. But I understand that the importance of staying current with where we are. I heard our late bishop tell me over and over again, we must live with, with our Bible and our newspaper in our hand. For the young generation, they may not even hardly know what a newspaper is, for it is not common anymore. It is simply a tablet and a download, and we read the latest news. Yes, generations changed. Our late bishop sit in his easy chair with a Bible sitting on his knee and a newspaper in his hand or rolled up on the chair beside him as he would read the two. And he always declared, the two are always pointing in one direction and that is the coming of the Lord. We must 
we must recognize that at this juncture in society, in life, in God's great timetable, that we must not create a church that caters to my prejudice, my preferences, but it must be focused on our effectiveness of reaching our lost world. We no longer should ask, what do we enjoy the most? I appreciate things that we enjoy. I enjoy eating and we're going to have dinner or lunch as Kayla has corrected me and reminded me that it is not dinner, it is lunch that we are serving. After service, I enjoy city barbecue. I enjoy good tacos. And we're all going to be celebrating Labor Day weekend together on this Sunday afternoon. We want everybody to stay and join us. Join with us. It's a good time. It's not going to cost you anything. Just, just come and enjoy. It's going to be wonderful. But we must be careful not to say, well, I enjoy this about the church and that about the church. Some people may say, well, I enjoy the music and the worship. Others may say, I enjoy Bible study teaching. Others may say, I enjoy a prayer meeting, or I enjoy a small group, or I enjoy an event, a function. I enjoy going to the Indians game with small groups or with family life. I enjoy the Thursday night Bible study with Brother Dylan and Sister Kayla. I, I enjoy certain parts of the church. Nothing wrong with enjoy, and I'm not speaking against what we enjoy, but I am saying we need to be very careful in picking and choosing the things that we enjoy instead of picking and choosing the things that are effective in reaching our lost world. If I was to summarize the very purpose of our church, I will bring it down to three things this morning that I want to remind you of. The best thing that we can possibly do is we must reach the lost. The second thing we must do is we must disciple the saved. And the third thing we must do is we must train the call. I'm going to say it over and over again until you get it, until you make it part of who you are. This is the mission. This is the purpose of the church, to reach the lost, to disciple the saved, and to train the call. Mixed in with that may be all sorts of events and functions, but at the core, it doesn't matter what we're doing, what building we're building, what floor we're sweeping, what yard we're mowing, what time service is. None of those things matter, but we must reach the lost, disciple the saved, and train the called. I wish somebody would say it with me this morning. We must reach the lost, disciple the saved, and train the called. I want you to say it with me one more time. We must reach the lost, disciple the saved, and train the call. Now, would you lift your hands toward heaven and ask God, Lord, would you help us fulfill the purpose of this church? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lift your voice in prayer right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus. In the name of the Lord Jesus. You can be seated. One of the challenges of the church is to distinguish what is good to do, what is better to do, and what is 
best to do. Just about anything that we do for Christ is a good thing. I don't think you can do anything for God and say, that's not a good thing. It is a good thing. But the prudent thing to consider is to do what is best, not what is just good. Good is that. It is good. But we must strive to do our best. What will make it a matter of our highest priority? That is what we must strive toward. What makes church our highest priority? And how do we help our new members and those who walk in the door the first time? How do they capture the heart of what we are about? We're not about building fancier buildings. I never care. I don't care if in my tenure of pastoring that people walk in the door and say, wow, what a beautiful building and how incredibly ornate and we have gold chandeliers and we have pure gold faucets on our sinks and we have the most expensive carpets on our floor and the most expensive furniture in our foyers and hallways. That must never be said of this church. But we must have ministry space that is workable and usable to fulfill the mission and the plan of this church to reach the lost, to disciple the saved, and to train the cause. So we must not only do what is good, but we must strive to do what is best, and we must make it our highest of priorities. It's not about preferences. It must always be about souls. It must always be about souls. Without the limitation of time, there might be no need to prioritize in life, but because we are all limited in time. How many of you know what I mean? You're limited in time. You, I find myself sometimes having more on my to-do list for a day than what I am able to accomplish because there is always a limitation of time. In God's great timetable to fulfill the call of God upon this congregation, upon this church, the mission that God has for this church to impact our region. If we were to draw a circle of 30 miles around this building and say God has called us to reach every soul within a 30 mile radius. Imagine how long it would take us individually to visit every individual, to knock every door, to reach every person. That's why we must use every resource that is available. God has blessed us with technologies and people with giftings. It is time for every man, woman, boy, or girl, for every young person and even young student that feels that God is gifting you and pointing you in a direction to do more than talk about what you're going to do for a living and what college you're going to and what job you're going to work in. But you need to start working now in the kingdom of God. There is room for you. There is a space for you. 
We have people that can train and raise up. Our AVL team ought to be packed every Sunday with students that are learning and training. Every classroom, every ministry, wherever we are, ought to be training the generation behind them because we're all limited with time. A season will pass and then we will lose that space of time. We would have no need to prioritize if we weren't limited on time. But time limits us and forces us to choose our highest priorities based on our mission and our calling. Romans chapter 13 points to this and knowing now the time. That now it is high time to wake out of sleep for now is our salvation nearer than we believe. For the night is far spent and the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. The armor of God that we put on. I don't have time to get into our feet being shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit. And we can go through all of these and teach a lesson about all of those. But the Bible speaks of the armor that we put on in a little different light in Romans chapter 13 because it says that armor that we wear ought to show forth the light of God's glorious gospel. That helmet of salvation is a spotlight for the world. The sword of the spirit is a spotlight for our lost world. The more time we spend doing the wrong things, the less time we have to invest in what is right. The longer it takes to succeed, we, we must spend our best resources on our highest callings. I'm constantly faced with the question over and again, what is the best thing for the future of the church? It often is a very complex question. I had someone ask me one time, Pastor, what do you do in your spare time? Well, in my spare time, I may sit and contemplate what is the next great move for this church. It's not an easy, it is not a casual decision. It doesn't come without great, great prayer and thought and meditation and consideration. Uh, in, in, in talking about the future of the church and where we go and delivering a message such as this, I probably spent more time in the preparation of this message today than I have the preparation of any message because it is dealing with the future of the church and where we are going in the future because I know that without clear vision, the people will perish. I refuse to allow this church to be on a downward trend, not under my watch. I will pray and fast until my belly button falls off, but I come to tell you today, if I die, I want to be in the labor of God's kingdom. I want to be pressing the church forward. If you get upset at me, I don't want it to be because the church is going nowhere and doing nothing. I want it to be because we are pressing forward and we are doing so much that we have to stop and take a break once in a while and catch our breath, but the kingdom of God must always be moving forward. So I'm faced with these questions. And the answer 
I must always be very careful. I remind my family. I remind those that I consider my sounding boards often when we're making a decision for the future of the church. It must never be what makes me feel the best. What is easier on me? It would be very easy for standing in my position to always make decisions on what's best for me. But it must always be what makes the church best at reaching the lost. Not what creates the, the, most, the, the least amount of waves. This isn't a popularity parade. It's hard for some of us to, to, to comprehend. It, it's not what prevents people from being upset at my decisions, although I never want to upset and I never intentionally upset anyone. If I do, it is inadvertently, and I do apologize if I ever inadvertently offend anyone. We are on the same team. We are brothers and sisters. We are labors together. But the decisions that I make must always be what serves this church and the kingdom of God best. What moves this church forward and sets this church apart? What positions this church in its best position to make its greatest impact into the future? We can't afford to look at personalities and say this is the big I and the little you. This, we, we can't afford to make decisions based on friendships or social statuses. We have a choice to make. Are we going to serve self or are we going to reach the lost? I believe that you're here this morning. Some of you canceled plans to be at this service because I asked you specifically to be here today. Others were too deep in their plans to be here, and I hope they listen online or watch this service at a later time. But I do come today to tell you, I believe this church wants revival, and I believe this church wants to move forward. We all have loved ones we want to see saved, lost family members that need God, friends and co-workers and schoolmates that all need God. What? are we going to do to reach them? If the Lord tarries, our children and our children's children will look back on this moment in the history of this church. There has been pivotal moments throughout my 20 years of pastoral ministry as senior pastor of this church that we have come to this point and I've stood in a pulpit and I've declared this is the direction that we're going as I come this morning to declare to you and remind you of the direction that we are going uh, as a church. Uh, if the Lord tarries, our children and our children's children will look back at this moment in the history of the church and they will see that we have a definite intersection that we stopped at and had to make a decision. Do we become a complacent maintenance mode church that caters to the need of those of us 
that will quickly fade off the scene and they will talk about the stories of the heyday of this church or will we be selfless in making decisions and saying this church must move forward. Our decisions will it will impact every ministry of this church. It will impact every family. It will impact every ministry. It will impact our children and our grandchildren. It will impact the future, but mainly it will impact lost souls. What decision will go down in history? What will the legacy of this generation be? I call you to deep thought this morning. I call every worker and every labor. What will be said of our time in ministry? What will we accomplish? Will we be a mission-reaching and mission-giving church? Or will we be a stagnant, self-centered church? What will my decision be? I'm going to tell you that I'm calling this church to consider where we are and all that we do creates needs for our future. Over the next few minutes, I'm going to unveil some of our greatest and highest priority needs over the next 18 months to two years that I am praying that God allows us to complete and finish and accomplish. Some of these you're well aware of, but some of these may be new thoughts to you. First of all, without doubt, we need more ministry space. Our sanctuary is fine. We, we're pleasantly full this morning. Look around you and give God a hand clap of praise for a full auditorium this morning. I'm well aware that we could fit more chairs. I'm well aware and we have the chairs to put in. I didn't bring them in because I guesstimated the number of people that we had this morning. We could have brought more chairs in. I'm not suggesting that today we need to build a sanctuary. But I am telling you that when I first cast the vision for this sanctuary, when we were on Delphi Avenue, let me remind you of the process. The first night, on a Sunday night, that I said, we need to build a building and we must. At that point, it was 10 years later that we moved in and had our first service in this building. We must always be looking to the future and always considering where we are. Just how many chairs can we fill in this auditorium? Just what can we accomplish? I tell you this morning, we must be looking to our future. We do need more ministry space. And the first thing that we must do is we must finish the activity center, the old north building, the eyesore out in front that everybody sees when they pass by. Work is continuing on that building, but we must finish that building as quickly as possible. Men and women are working there continually. We had men working there yesterday and the day before some working through the week. The process is happening. It's moving. It's not just a want. It's not just pastor wanted to do this, but it is an absolute need. Every ministry of our church will in one way or another 
be impacted by us finishing the North Building. We need space to house the growing ministries of this church. When I hear what God is doing in our Spanish ministry alone that started only one year ago, six months ago, I hear reports of 24, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, and then, Pastor, where are we going to next? I don't know. I don't have the answer. But let's keep having Thursday night Bible study and keep reaching our brothers and sisters that speak Spanish and keep giving them an opportunity to serve God and worship with us. I don't know where it's going to end. They may take over this building, but I know this much. Revival is happening in that ministry. I wish I had time to highlight all of our ministries. But I hear every time that Teach the Teacher signs up, people wanting and desiring to learn to teach Bible studies. I usually hear from Brother Jeremy Newcomer, we're full by the time we make it available to the general populace. People are wanting to teach Bible studies. That's the heartbeat of God. That's the heartbeat of the church. We've got to teach them. We've got to disciple them. Path of life. We're looking for teachers. We're looking for people to grow. We're looking for people that have a heart and a passion to reach the lost. All of the ministries. We could talk about Genesis process that absolutely is full. We can't handle more people. We are needing some, we're needing people that says, hey, I want to be part. I want to learn the process. I have a heart for what we're doing. It can't just be three or four or five of us, but we need people that say, I have a heart for, for other people that want to know more about how to change their life. Come on, we need, we've got to get a hold of this. The world is needing what we are doing as a church. We must be good stewards. We must be good stewards of what God has blessed us with. Every month we deal with servicing the mortgage of building this church. I understand we all have responsibilities, but this church for its tenure has always been able to do whatever we had to do. You have always met the need, but it is a constant reminder that when we voted to build this church, we voted to pay for this church. So we must service the mortgage and we must maintain this beautiful 14-acre campus that God has given us. That means we need volunteers. That means we need people that are willing to weed flower beds and people that are willing to mow grass and people that are willing to work and labor. We need people that will give to the improvements of all of these things. It is all a work of stewardship, but we must be good stewards of what God has already blessed us with. The third thing that I want to impress upon you today as I watch the clock tick swiftly by and it is that we must be thinking about the future. I've already mentioned to you we must always be thinking about the future. What steps must we take to prepare for the next phase of a master plan? What does that look like? 
Where do we go from here? What is our next building project? Where are we going? What are we doing? Of course, in this juncture, in my ministry, and in this church, I call this church to consider, and we'll talk more about this in a couple of weeks, we need to consider actively attacking the debt that our church carries, and we need to move strongly toward debt reduction to prepare us for where God wants to take us in the future. I know that doesn't excite anybody, and it doesn't get a round of applause, and it doesn't get hand claps, but I will tell you that what God has blessed us with today we live with an interest rate on our present mortgage that would be unheard of at any lender today. 4.25% interest rate on this incredible building through 2026. I believe between now and 2026, if we put our energy and effort together, we could set this church up for the future that will impact our children. Every dollar that we give, ought, there ought to be a portion that goes toward debt reduction. We must consider conceptual planning for our future. We're already in need of more classrooms and small meeting space, Bible study space, all of these areas that we need to consider. We need an office complex so that all of our pastoral ministry could have adequate office space to study, to work, and to meet. We desperately need a foyer where we can come and gather and fellowship without interrupting what is happening here. We need a choir and music rehearsal area for before service, and we need a 24-hour dedicated prayer room where people can come 24-7 and keep prayer moving in this church. Thank God for what we have, but we cannot stay here. Our next step is important to our future, and we must start preparing now. Either we will sacrifice for it today while we have a choice, or our children will sacrifice for it tomorrow without a choice. The fearful reality is that history proves that as we move further down the road, everything becomes more expensive with each passing year. So the sooner that we grow, the better off we are. I'm not suggesting that we break ground and start building tomorrow. I'm telling you that we need to start looking to our future. You are undoubtedly by now this far into this message as I am looking toward an exit ramp and a close in the next 15 minutes or so, you are undoubtedly aware of the conviction that I have related to the crossroads that we stand at today. There are certain moments in Bible history and church history when God required a leader to step forward and to speak directly to his people, to not say, keep wondering where we're going as a church, but today, I believe, is one of those moments. And I've, I have tried my best to be very clear about what my heartbeat is and about what my vision is and about where I see the church going and growing in the future. What if Moses would have hesitated at the crossroads of deliverance for a nation? 
What if he would have discounted the burning bush and not taken off his shoes and stepped aside? What if he would have ignored the voice of God and would have been refused to have embraced the will of God? What if David would have ran like the rest of Israel and would have hidden in fear? What if he would have anticipated defeat instead of victory and he wouldn't have realized that he was standing on the brink of an absolute history page in history that would change the eternal destiny for the nation of Israel and the entire Christian world? What if he would have never declared when he was discounted as being but a lad, when he was discounted for not having training and not having all that he needed to look and act and appear to be a great warrior? What if he would have never said the word, is there not a cause? What if he would have said, okay, I'll go with the flow. I'll do as you say. But instead he said, is there not a cause? This brings us home this morning. I ask you a very sobering question. Would you consider with me today, what if a passionate, young, thin, red-headed pastor from Barberton, Ohio, a praying preacher, would have chosen to reject the plan that God had in mind for this church? What if he would have refused to remove his family and wife from the comfort zone of a growing and thriving church in Barberton, Ohio to come and establish this church? But in the early months of 1965, our late Bishop Paul James Price with his wife Velma and their children, both Paula and Cindy, are here today and Dick Price pastoring in Arkadelphia, Arkansas. What if he would have never moved from Ohio with his family to Frankfurt to found this church? But on August the 15th, 1965, the first service was held with 31 people in attendance. I wonder this morning, would those who would have ever attended service on Kelly Road in the home of Lois and Merrill Fishback, if you're here today, I would like for you to stand. I would like for every member of this church to see who you are. If you attended. I see four people standing in this room. Would you give them a great big God bless you? Thank you. Thank you. brief insight to the, to the ministry on Kelly Road for the first few weeks Lois and Merrill Fishback turned the living room and dining rooms of their home on Kelly Road into a place of worship. Sunday school classes were held inside their house on their porch and even under a large tree in their front yard. That was the formidable days of what we have today. In November of 1965, an abandoned Seventh-day Adventist church located on Gentry Street was purchased and it became the new church home and they moved there and the church grew. 
1972, two lots were purchased at 850 Delphi Avenue, and a building soon followed. I wonder if all of those who worked on the building and were there when we moved into the Delphi Avenue building, I would like for you to stand today and let everybody here see who you are. All of those, very quickly, would you stand this morning? If you were there when we moved into the Delphi Avenue building, everybody that was there, would you stand? Look around you. Look around you. In 1983, the church underwent its first phase of remodeling, and a fellowship building was added. In 1992, my wife and I became the associate pastors of the assembly. In 1995, the Delphi Avenue building was remodeled by volunteer hands. In 2011, Christian Life Church purchased our present location that we're in now from Carter Lumber Store. We broke ground for this building in May, on May 24th, 2015. On October 7th, 2018, we held our first service in this new building. Now, this is going to be a little different than the other two stands that I asked, but would all of the men and women who worked to help build this building, would you please stand? If you worked, if you swept floors, if you pulled weeds, whatever, all of those that worked on this building, look around you. For anyone that knows the market today, only five years ago, but can I tell you, that we built this building for about 800 and the building, just the building, not talking about the property purchase, but the building for about $850,000 due to volunteer labor. Recently, recently we underwent an audit where they came through and looked at this building and the appraisers appraised this building at $2.2 million dollars. That's what volunteer labor has done for Christian Life Church. Now brings me, as I approach the close of this message, now what brings me probably the greatest pleasure of all is to ask those of you who have become part of Christian Life Church since we have moved into this new building, I would like for you to stand and let us see every person that, has, that is here that were not here when we first moved into the building. I'd like for you to stand. I'm going to give a moment for interpretation. We're glad you're part of CLC. one man was willing to take a step of faith and move out of his comfort zone 
And now the destiny of every life that is in this room has been affected because one man was willing to change. Ladies and gentlemen, the question before us today is will we allow this legacy to end here? Will we allow what God has blessed us with to end here? We must continue to make a greater impact. This leads me to the fourth part of our vision, and that is what I'm going to refer to as Impact 24. Impact 24 will be the largest evangelism block party that this region has ever experienced. In my more than 20 years of pastoring this church, I often refer back to 2010 at the TPA Park. I was told by Brother Chris Dillingham that was part of block parties all over the country that it was the largest apostolic block party that he had ever been a part of. It was our most productive evangelism tool that we have found to date. Now God has even granted greater vision. You can go ahead and mark your calendars for Nate and Andrea Shees locked it in on August the 10th, 2024. It is our vision to host the largest evangelism block party in recent history. We've already reserved Prairie Creek Park. We're going to reach to the city to close off city streets where we're going to fill it with jump houses, four hours of music, praise, worship, and baptisms, and Holy Ghost outpouring. And souls are going to be saved right in Prairie Creek Park. Our city will be impacted. Then on Sunday, August the 11th, get ready for the largest single service crowd that we've ever had in this building. We're going to put all 450 chairs that we own into this building and expect that God's going to fill every, every, every seat. And we're going to have an evangelistic crusade right here. And we're going to baptize dozens and see scores of people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The lost cries out. The lost cries out for our church to continue to be what it's been, to be a growing revival apostolic church. We must continue our mission. The world needs us. They need us to survive. They need us. They need us so they can live. Ladies and gentlemen, in the mission field of our own backyard, Within a 30-minute drive around this building, shockingly, there are 818,000 people that call this area home. 818,000 souls within a 30-mile radius of this building. And most of them 
lost without God. Let me bring it closer to home. Right here, inside the city limits of Frankfurt, there are about 10,000 children and student age 18 and under. Right in our own city limits, and less than 15% of them are in church this morning. That means about 8,500 unchurched children need our children's ministry to impact their world. They're hungry. Some are abused. Some are hurting. Some just need a hug. But they all need Jesus. And they're worth saving. It's up to us to give them hope. We need more Bible study teachers, more disciple makers. We have one year to prepare for the impact evangelism event that's going to take place at Prairie Creek Park and then the Sunday crusade here in this building. We've got one year to prepare. I'm calling for every person. Everybody needs to be part. You need to find your spot. You need to talk to one of our pastors, one of our pastor's wives, and say, help me, train me, lead me, show me, develop me. We need disciple makers. Alcoholism and drug abuse is growing faster than government programs can control it. They need the church. Mental health crises are on the rise. Our world needs us. And we need to train more Genesis coaches. Divorce and family crisis abound. They need family ministries to give them hope and help. Our school systems need student ministries more than they even realize and maybe more than we even realize. An event at Frankfurt High School just a few days ago was a shocking reminder that even in a small town, crisis can occur and students can lose their life. Are they saved? Are they ready? start P7 clubs in every school. We need heads of households to declare we're going to start prayer in our homes because long before they took prayer out of schools, we took prayer out of our homes. Do they know we care? Drug, suicide, perversion is rampant college campuses. Young adults need hyphen ministries to do everything they can to reach. What kind of future are we CLC members? What kind of future are we creating for our children and our grandchildren? Are we going to be a casual church? that comes and sings little lullabies and rocks 
Christians to sleep that pacifies them for a moment doesn't meddle with them much lets them leave the way they came are we going to be a passionately praying church that declares when they walk in the doors of this building I want there to be an atmosphere of praise and worship and prayer that shakes them to their very core and causes them to come to an altar where conviction rocks them and changes their life, where they long to be baptized in Jesus' name. Can we show love to them where they want to be part of who we are? There must be a hope for the lost world. And it's time for the church to act. We must impact our world. Who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Maybe you wrestle with what's my purpose? What's my purpose in life? What's my, what is there a calling? What is my calling? Do I have a ministry? What is my ministry? Maybe you don't have the answer to those questions maybe you feel the heart the heartbeat of what I'm preaching this morning maybe God is tugging at your heart your heart strings you don't know what to do with it but you just feel it right here and if that's you this morning I want you just to walk to the front of this building without reservation if you would stand with me all over this building to make it easy for everybody to get out that feels what I just asked but if you feel God tugging at your heart this morning and you want to be part of this revival that God is going to send our church, I want you just to step from where you are and walk to the front of this room and talk to Jesus about it. I believe in the next 12 months, He's going to be showing you. He's going to be guiding you. He's going to be directing you. He's going to be talking to you about who you are and what you can do. If you don't know Him this morning, if you've never repented of your sins, if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, the doors of the church stand open. We welcome you. I invite you to come and join all of these members that are walking to the front of this room right now. Let's make room. If you, everybody would take about three steps forward to make room for everybody. Thank you for doing that. Let's make room for everybody to join us right here in the front. There's room for more if you feel to join us this morning. Why don't you just say yes to him, hands raised all over the room. I didn't call you forward for us to look around, but I called you forward for you to talk to Jesus about what you feel in your spirit right now. Come on, he's calling you. Just say yes to him. Lord, I don't understand it all, but I want to be part of what you're doing. I've got friends and family that need saved. I want to do my part. I've got neighborhoods and, that I need to evangelize. I've got people that need God. Come on, pour your heart to him right now. Pour your heart to him right now all over this room. Reevaluate your relationship with him. Here we are in your presence. Oh. 
to the Lord right now. Talk to the Lord right now. Oh, yes. Everything I give. You may feel like you don't have talents, you don't have abilities. You may feel like you have nothing, but you can. You do. see every heart and every individual this morning that has felt your spirit, Lord, as it is tugged upon their heart, Lord, calling them to move out of stagnation and to move forward, 
to accomplish more and do more in the kingdom than we have ever done before. God, I pray for every man, woman, boy, or girl. I pray for every heart that has been cold or indifferent to your calling. Lord, that you would humble them and humble us at the foot of the cross to see the very reason that we have gathered this morning. Lord, to see your blood that has been shed for us. Lord, to see the salvation plan as it has unfolded so clearly for us in our lives and to see what a change and what a difference that you have made. Lord, to know that it is too great a salvation for us to hold back from anybody around us, but Lord, that we could share it with the lost world. God, I pray for revival over this church. Lord, I pray for revival over every home and every family. God, I pray for revival over this city. God, I pray for revival over this area. God, I pray for a harvest over this region. I pray for a revival over this state, for around the world, for there to be harvest, Lord, that is coming out of this church. In the name of Jesus, I ask you, God, pour it out upon us. We receive it right now. We receive it right now. Let the anointing fall upon your people. God, we receive it right now. The impartation of your spirit be upon us right now, oh God. Let us receive what you have for us, and we will rejoice in the God of our salvation. Oh, we will glorify your name, for your name is a strong tower.